Good morning, Crossroads. It's really so nice to be in the virtual room with you this morning, and I'm really looking forward to the day when we can be in an actual room together, and I can see some familiar faces and greet you all and introduce myself to some people that I, I haven't met yet. And uh, when I see you, how are you going to introduce yourself to me? How would you identify yourself? You know, for 25 years, I introduced myself as, hi, I'm Rich, I'm a pastor. Or if uh, I was meeting a friend of Heidi's, I might say, I'm um, Heidi's husband or um, Bethany's father. So how do you identify yourself? It's a question I've been thinking a lot about over the last 10 weeks of this pandemic. Uh, because you might be feeling, like I have here and there, that your identity has been threatened a little bit or changed or even taken away. Maybe you can't go to work or maybe you're working so much that you're asking yourself, is this all I am? Or you can't engage in the activities that you would normally enjoy or do the things that you would usually do. And, and it asks the question, when all the things I normally do are stripped away from me, who am I? That's the question I've been thinking a lot about. And I got a really surprising uh, shot of that two weeks ago on a Sunday, Sunday morning. I bent down to pick something up. It wasn't even something heavy. And as I was straightening up, I got a starburst of pain that just started in the center of my back and spread through my whole back. It hurt so bad I couldn't straighten up. It hurt so bad all day Sunday standing up from a seating position was like a three-step process. First, I put my hand on my knees and I went part way up and I shifted my hands to my thighs and went a little further and then to my waist and straightened up. And uh, it was so, so bad that for five days, I barely could do anything. Uh, we had a flood in our house downstairs not too long ago, and I'd been replacing sheetrock and taping and sanding, and I'd gotten it all ready to paint. And uh, that was my plan for that week. I was going to paint, but my back hurt so bad I couldn't even lift a, a paintbrush. And so uh, for five days, I was really grappling with this question, who am I if I can't do the things I'm good at, if I can't do the things I like to do? I couldn't cook. I couldn't ride my bicycle. But one day I wanted to sit in the sun and I had to have my daughter put a chair out in the sun for me so I could hobble over to it and sit down. And uh, it was hard. It was hard for that week, those five days, just thinking when everything I'm used to is stripped away, who am I? So that's the question I want to help you answer today. When all the things that you normally do, that you normally identify yourself as or with, are taken away, who am I? And, of course, the Bible has a great answer for that. It's in First John. Um, the Apostle John wrote four books of the New Testament. He's not John the Baptist. He's the other John. He identified himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He wrote the Gospel of John and three letters in the New Testament. This is the first one, 1 John. In the third chapter, he writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what I want to do in our time together today is help you align yourself with that answer to the question, who am I? So that when you think the question or someone asks you the question, who are you, who am I? The first answer that pops into your mind is, I am a dearly loved child of God. And often we know that in our head and we know it's true, 
but it's so hard to really embrace that, to absorb it and receive it and accept it and understand and live like and think like more than anything else. I am a dearly loved child of God. And you might be wondering, like, well, what part of me that does God love? Who's the me? Who's the real me that God loves? Um, I want to uh, do a little spiritual anatomy here and help us understand who the you is that God loves. We're going to look at another New Testament verse. It's in 1 Thessalonians. That's a New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul. Uh-oh. Hang on a second. I'll read it from the screen. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that says that you are made up of three parts, three component parts, that you are spirit, soul, and body. So I want to help us understand what those are. The spirit in you is that eternal power that lives forever. It's the you, the essence, the presence, the spirit of God in you that will cause you to live for eternity. It is immortal. It is um, undestroyable. It's eternal power, that spirit. And it's common for, for all of us. We each have a spirit. And the essence of that spirit from me to you is the same. The soul, your soul, is the part of you that makes you you. It's your unique personhood. It's your fingerprint. It's who you are personally. So my soul is what makes me rich. Your soul is what makes you you. Heidi's soul is what makes her Heidi. It's that unique personhood. And it is bonded with that spirit that God has created in us that lives forever. So that part of you bonded together, those two components are what will live forever that goes on into eternity. The spirit, the eternal power is what will bring you into eternity, into heaven, but it will bring along with it, uh, fused to it, you, your soul, your personality, your unique you, so that not just the spirit will go and disappear into this pool of spirit in the heavenlies, but your eternal spirit brings you personally into the presence of God forever. And that soul and spirit joined together like that are wrapped in a body, a physical body that houses it like a vessel that carries us through this life. Now, these are hard concepts to really get our mind around because we live so much in this body that we lose sight of the fact that who we are in our essence is soul and spirit fused together. So I'm going to give you a picture to look at to maybe help you understand it. But I just want to let you know right at the beginning that this metaphor, like so many metaphors, will break down if you push it too far. Um, I just want to take a basic concept and see if I can help you understand soul and spirit and body. So the summer's coming and I love fresh corn. I, we get it from a local farm and We'll have it when we barbecue, and it's just so delicious, isn't it? You steam it or grill it or whatever. So you think about uh, an ear of corn. It's three parts. It's three components. It has a core in its very center, and stuck to that core are those delicious kernels wrapped all around it, and those are fused together as one. Now, they're not um, mixed, so you can't tell which is which. There's definitely core, and there's definitely kernel. They're different, but they're stuck together as the cob, the center 
of that corn. And all of it is wrapped in that green husk, which is temporary, which we know is the part we peel off so we can get at the inside part. Like our soul and spirit fused together inside of us, wrapped in our bodies, which is the temporary part. Now, like corn, when you look at it, the first thing you see is the husk. It's the green part. It's the part that we peel off and throw away. Now, it serves a function. It's important. But sometimes what we do, and often what we do, because we see first with our physical eyes, is we make our judgment, we make our assessment based on what we first see, which is the husk. Now, I know some of you, you go to the grocery store and you peel that back to check out what it looks like inside before you buy it. <laughs> um, I do that sometimes too. Uh, but what I mean generally is that we get our first impression from what that husk looks like and we make our assessments based on that. That's the part that's temporary. It's just like our body and we do it so often with each other and we do it with ourselves. We look at that husk, that physical body that we know is temporary, it's important, but it's temporary and it will get peeled away someday. It will go back to dust that it was created from and the eternal you, the soul and spirit will go on forever. But we spend so much time looking at that husk in each other and we make our assessments based on what we see and judgments based on what we see and we place our value based on what we see, which is just the physical temporary husk that's going to go someday. Now, in our best moments, we press past that and we look to see the person inside that body and we get to know the heart of the person, the soul and the spirit. And we love the essence there, that person. And we don't judge by what we see in the physical body. We love by what we know is inside that person. That's how God looks. When God looks at you, he doesn't see first our physical body like we do. We see with our physical eyes, we see first the physical body. But when God looks at you, he sees your soul and your spirit. And yes, the body matters. He created it. It's an unbelievable creation. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And this body is amazing. And we are supposed to take care of it and value it. But what we do in this life is we place all of our first value on it and too much value on it. And we forget about what's really valuable is inside. So now if the corn picture didn't work for you, I'll give you a picture from the Bible. It's always safer to go that route anyway. Um, and again, I'm going to go to a New Testament verse. Um, it's, uh, oh, it might be mixed up on the slides. It's Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7. If we have that one. If not, we just take this slide down and I'll read it. Second um, Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not us. The apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 4, 7 is talking about who we are. And he compares us to treasures in jars of clay. So in, the, in Paul's day, when this was written, a clay pot was a common vessel. Every household had them. They were different sizes and shapes and thicknesses, but they all served a common purpose. They just, they put their food in it, or put their things in it, and they carried things from one place to another. The clay pot had very little value except for its use as a vessel. But what they put inside of it was what gave it, gave it its value. And Paul in the Bible here is saying the same thing. We're like clay vessels. We're like clay pots and we're common. Mine is, is like yours. It's made from the same uh, temporary ingredients that your clay vessel is. What the treasure is, the part that God looks at and loves is you, your soul and your spirit. 
when he sees you, he sees your soul and your spirit. He sees a treasure. Never mind the jar of clay. That'll pass away. He sees you treasured and dearly loved. That's the part we lose sight of. I look in the mirror sometimes and I, I say, well, you know, what's my value? Who am I? How can anybody really love me? But if I press past and remember who God says I am, who God made me to be, that when God looks at me, he sees a very valuable treasure, then I remember I am dearly, dearly loved. Um, this, is, uh, this is where I want to bring you to that other verse in 1 Samuel 16, 7. In the Old Testament, um, the prophet Samuel was being called by God to anoint the next king of Israel. And he was sent to a family of a man named Jesse who had several sons. So Samuel went to Jesse's household, knowing that God would show him which one of these sons would should he should anoint as Israel's next king. And the first son he saw, probably the first one presented to him, was the oldest son, Eliab, Jesse's son, Eliab. And he was tall. He was strong. He was handsome. He looked smart. He had personality, charismatic. Samuel looked at him and said, that must be Israel's next king. And the spirit of God inside him said, nope, not him. And so they brought out the next son. Same thing. He was good looking. Samuel said, must be him. Nope, not him. Went through all seven sons. And the spirit of God said, not him. So Samuel said, do you have any other sons? And uh, Jesse said, well, I have one more. He's the, he's like the runt of the litter. He's the youngest. I didn't think you'd want to see him, but I'll bring him out. And he brought David out. And God said to Samuel, he's the one. And, then, and this is where these words are quoted in 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height about Eliab, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things like people look at them. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And David eventually was called a man after God's own heart. So when God looks at you, He's not looking at your outward appearance. He's not judging your outward appearance. He's not rating how much he loves you based on your outward appearance. God looks straight to the heart. And he acknowledges in this passage what we do. We just can't help it. We have to fight against it. It's our, it's our default. We take these physical eyes and we look at the physical person and we make an assessment. God says, I don't do that at all. That's not even part of how I function. When I look at a person, I look at their heart. And by heart, he means their soul and their spirit. So when God looks at you, he sees his soul, your soul and your spirit. And that's the you he loves. So when you ask yourself this question, who am I? When all these temporary things are stripped away, here's your answer. You are a dearly loved son of the Father in heaven. You are a deeply loved daughter of the Father in heaven. The me that God loves is my soul and my spirit. Now the world wants to give us bent truth. The world paints a broken image of your value. The world twists it. The world lies. Your world will not give you the truth of who you are. 
it will give you bent truth because we live in a broken world. So I'm going to spend the remaining part of my time with you speaking truth to you about who you are. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen because you don't often enough hear the truth of who you are in God's sight. So I'm going to tell you and you listen and take it in because this is truth, not the other things you hear, because this is coming straight from the Bible, straight from the heart of God to you. And now, God, pour out your love through these words. You have been created in the image of God. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 2. God created you. You're not here by accident. You didn't just suddenly appear as a blob and develop into a human. You're here because God wanted you here. God created you in his image. Sometimes you might hear about your physical person, about your physical body. Oh, he, she looks like her mother. Oh, he looks like her father. Your soul and spirit resemble the father in heaven. He made you in his image. You look like the father. You resemble him. And he knew you before you were born. It says in the Old Testament that you were created in your mother's womb and God knew you then while your physical body was still forming. God saw your soul and spirit and loved you. That he knew all your days, they were written in his book before one of them came to be and he rejoiced over them and the life he was giving you. He fell in love with you in the womb. Actually, I wanna correct myself. You existed in his mind before that, and he fell in love with you then. The problem that we all came into is we were born into a broken world, and we all inherited a strain of sinful DNA. God couldn't live with that. He loved you too much. So he did a radical thing. He did an unbelievable thing, almost unexplainable. His love was so great for you. He sent his son into the world to take our sin upon him and to take that sin and nail it to the cross to give us the hope of new life, to wash that sinful strain of DNA out of our lives through his blood. Jesus came to this earth and died for you. How much does a person have to love you to die for you? Is there anyone in this world who you think this person loves me so much they would give their life for me? That's how much Jesus loves you. The real you, the soul and spirit you that was tarnished with sin. Jesus came and eradicated that. And he says, come to me, I will make you clean. And that's just what he does. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone. And the new has come that what God is doing because he loves you so much as he's spending this time that we're on this earth while we live in this temporary body, encasing our soul and spirit, that he is recreating his image in you. He is changing you from glory to glory. Think about this for a minute. When God looks at you, he says, glory. When God looks at you, he says, glory, that's my son. Glory, that's my daughter. Michael, Gabriel, come here. Check out my son. Look at my daughter. I love her. I love him. 
He has been made in my image. She looks like me. I am restoring my image in her throughout her life. I'm changing her from this glory. Look at this glory to the next glory, to the next glory, to the next glory, until one day I can bring her, I can bring him into my mansion to live with me forever. That's how dearly loved you are. That's how deeply loved you are. God began a work in you that he promises he will finish because you are his dearly loved child. You have a new DNA. You have a new inheritance. God calls you family. God calls you son, not slave. Daughter, not slave. God calls you a priest. Did you know that? The Bible says you now belong to a royal priesthood. God calls you a saint because that's what he sees. He looks past this temporary going to the grave body and he sees the eternal soul and spirit that makes you, you. And he says, that's the woman I love. He says, that's the man I love. You are a dearly loved child of God. And I want you to remember that today. And we're going to sing that. Heidi's going to come back on and we're going, she's going to lead us in a song that is going to remind us that we are dearly loved children of God by his amazing grace, because he chose to love us, not because we deserved it, not because he looked at us and said, that one's good looking, that one's strong, that one's smart, that one's capable, that one's able. It's because he looked at you and he saw soul and spirit and he said, the one I made, the one I love.